Hello and welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. It's been quite the weekend of action and there's been drama galore both on and off the field. I am, as ever, your host, Andy Davis, and I am firstly joined by a returning guest, well, two returning guests that have both been away this weekend in Leeds. Back with us today are Naeem and Ryan. Boys, how are you? Yep, I'm not doing too bad. I feel a cold coming on, but I'm trying everything to get rid of it. So, yeah, I'm not too bad. I can't complain. Yeah, a weekend of alcoholic consumption and... <laughs> um, yeah, all over the place, really. Well, at least someone was having fun. I spent the whole weekend basically not in bed. I basically on a sofa weekend ill. Um, which I think is just a general feeling right now to go around um, the whole UK really at the moment. I mean, I, I my mum, my dad had it before me. Um, loads of friends that, you know, have got it as well. And it's just that time of year, isn't it, when everyone seems to get ill? Um, you know, it was um, nice to be at home for once, but at the same time, couldn't do anything anyway. Um, so just sat and just watched the football and my expression of frustration Darwin Nunes didn't help that on Sunday. That was certainly not not all I wanted to see. Um, but there's only really one place to start, and it really came on Saturday uh, night as Arsenal took on Newcastle. Now Newcastle won one nil, but that really isn't isn't the end of the story there because there was a huge drama, which has in the end seen uh, Arteta called the ref thing a disgrace um, and he called it embarrassing and he's talked, they've even, you know, they've seeked, they've seeked explanations from from the Premier League and all that. It, and obviously, Anthony called and scored the only goal of the game, but the goal itself involved a triple VAR check, um, which, first of all, didn't give a, um, didn't rule out the goal because of the ball going out of play. Uh, although, that one there, having looked at the uh, replay, they actually, they seem to prove that it was actually in, in play, but the one that's caused the most talking points is a bit that followed that where it was crossed in and um Joe Linton appeared to put well, I say appeared definitely pushed um Gabrielle in the back and Anthony Gordon uh tapped in for an easy finish. Now I myself got frustrated watching that well watching the highlights of match of the day as I'm as not even an Arsenal fan so I don't know how you boys felt. I know Ryan you were very you especially frustrated on Twitter but for you nine um I'll go to you first. Your take on on the decision to give that goal and what's happened afterwards. Yeah, so when you obviously saw the goal in real time, obviously you couldn't really see that the ball went out, but I thought, okay. You know, it was, it was quite an even game. Wasn't, wasn't Nothing wasn't really happening. I thought a draw at the end would have been a fair result. But yeah, when, obviously when they went, when they went, um, went back and looked at, uh, obviously, whether the ball went out or not. So the angle we saw, it it looked like it was out to me. To be fair, but obviously they didn't give that. Then they went to obviously the the foul on Gabriel. I think that was a foul because he did get pushed. But obviously they didn't give that. But yeah, it's just it's it's kind of it kind of happens every week. Really, there's always um and some sort of controversial decision happening uh, with VAR. We've We've talked about it plenty of times before in the past. Um, it's not the technology that's a problem, so it's the officiating. All that really ever happens is the referee that's refereeing the game gets demoted to like maybe the championship or something, and then they're back in back in back uh, refereeing Premier League games. So 
there's not really much accountability. Even when they do make a mistake, they'll just come out with some PR nonsense apology when really that doesn't really help help teams um, that much. Because obviously Wolves, they've been shafted quite a few times this season with um, dodgy decisions. But yeah, it, the ball was out, in my opinion, and it was a foul. So how they didn't give the, the, those one of those two things to rule out, rule out the goal, I'll, I'll never know. But yeah, obviously me and Ryan was watching it in the hotel room and yeah, we oh, were just... Of course, I forgot you two were, were together for this game as well. I... Yeah, we, um, yeah, we managed to... Um, we managed to watch uh, watch it uh, watch it once we got there, and yeah, we, we, well, we were both human really because yeah, it was just awful, awful decisions. Like the like I said, it's, it's, the game should have really ended the draw because in that game we didn't really create much. I think we only had one shot on target the whole game, but um, yeah, it's just it's, it's pretty much just every week. Um, and, and there's no there's no real accountability really, so it's just gonna keep happening really. So. Yeah, it's going to happen to one team. It happens to teams every weekend. You know, that's usually the main talking points. Before, obviously, the technology came in, the referees were still making the mistakes. But it just seems more that there's just more things happening now. And, yeah, it just it just, just makes making the game of football a bit. Yeah, it's not really making it enjoyable um, as such. You can understand if they get the decisions right, if they overturn decisions. Fair enough, they've done that a few times. But... Yeah, they just seem to keep making us the wrong decisions, but yeah, I'll I'll human really, and and every Arsenal fan had the, every right to to be human. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's again, it's these things that you know. I I've got I I know I can see I can see I can see it already. I can see it in May. I can see whether it's our decision against Spurs, whether it's that one for you guys. I can see there being a, a one or two point difference between. You know, certain teams going for top four, going for league titles, or even it happens to a team down the bottom like Wolves, for example. I can see one of these decisions coming back to bite. One of these mm. teams, one of these teams. You know, look at the the Villa Sheffield Sheffield United game a few years ago in the first game back after the after the break, and they were, that got although it's only really happened once ever, but the technology with that failing cost I think Sheffield two points and Villa. Um, basically, the, the it meant that Villa. In the end, stay there, and they cost Sheffield United European football. But um, you know these things, like you know, I, mean, I said I said this countless times before, both on this podcast and to my friends and family, that you know the whole point of AR was to stop these talking points. But I think I've seen way more talking points this season alone than I ever saw, maybe in a two or three year period in the Premier League before this was a th- this was a thing. Um, I'm not even yeah, sorry, I'm not even halfway through the season yet, and there's been so many bad decisions already. So yes, it's crazy, man. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's um, you know, it, it is is really the integrity of the game a little bit, and I think that you know, obviously, there's a reason why we don't see many English referees, you know, in these big events because they can't be trusted because they're making such bad decisions, and you know, it, it's it's crazy, it's crazy times, and I just feel like, um, my only complaint of this is that I'm seeing a lot of hypocrisy. Um, so for example. Um, I know Carragher talked about um Arsenal, Arsenal statement being wrong, but I don't remember him. I don't see. I seem to remember him defending Liverpool's decision to do that uh, against Spurs. But then on the flip side, I'm also seeing Arteta when we had the thing go against us. He was saying that these are the rules and it's got to get on with it. And now he's complaining. So I, I'm finding what I'm finding with across the league is people often. 
have got different different differing opinions based on how it affects their team. And I think we saw the same thing with COVID a few years ago, where people had differing opinions about whether we cancel the league, none, none avoid it, whether we carry on often depending on what how affected your team. I think we've seen the same thing with VAR. People only seem to be bothered about it when it's their own team evolved in terms of people within the game. Uh, but Ryan, um, I know I've I've seen your views on Twitter, but you, I, I can imagine you, like myself and I, would be very frustrated at what happened on, on Saturday. I mean, frustrated is an understatement, I think, at this point. Um, the level of incompetency is just on another level. And I can't remember a certain point in the time that I've watched football where I'm that sick and tired of actually watching my own team play and watching Premier League football because it's got to the point now where you could play well, you could play relatively well, but still not get the result you deserve because of the standard of officiating. And I was well behind the fact that Arsenal put out a statement and backed Mikel in the manner that they did because they have every right to do that. At the end of the day, it wasn't down to that one decision. It's countless decisions that have gone not just against us because it happens against a lot of other teams as well. You know, mentioned Wolves where it's happened on a number of occasions already this year where they've been given apologies, which mean absolutely nothing. Obviously, the main one is Liverpool's one, which was scandalous how that happened in the manner that it did. And, you know, you had this, those certain people all weekend and even going into today, the likes of Gary Neville in particular, who's been, you know, absolutely smashed on social media, particularly by Arsenal fans, and rightly so, because his commentary on Saturday night was absolutely abysmal. You know, it's it's clear to see that he doesn't like Arsenal, he doesn't like Liverpool. And as 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 pundits and people in the media, they should not let these kind of things affect their judgment. But the fact that he he felt that there was nothing wrong with that Newcastle United goal, you know, he called the the, the foul on Gabriel as soft. Well, I, I, I hate that term so much in football because it's either a foul or it's not a foul. There's no such thing as it being soft. If it's anywhere else in the pitch, it's a foul and a free kick. So why it wasn't given there, it's a clear and obvious error. Why it wasn't changed, I will never know. But they had four opportunities to overturn that goal, including the handball from Joel Linton and the fact that he was also offside. And yet none of them sufficed. And I think what, what summed up more particularly as well, was last night as, as well, because I don't like Chelsea. I, I, you know, I've never hit that fact before. However, I felt bad for them last night, even though they won the game. Obviously, we didn't know they were going to win the game at that point. But how on earth that Udogi did not get sent off for, I mean, it wasn't even an, a tackle. I don't, I don't know what it was. But that two-footed challenge, studs up in the air, just missed Raheem Sterling. And I've seen people on social media say, well, he missed him. So it wasn't a red card. It does not matter one bit. The intent was there to hurt him. 
And you don't even see Sunday League footballers attempt that anymore because it's a it's a dangerous dangerous challenge that causes major injuries. If Raheem Sterling didn't see that coming, that would have more than likely snapped his leg in half and probably ended his career. Should have been a straight red card. I don't understand how it wasn't. I was gobsmacked. And then not only a few minutes later, Christian Romero wasn't sent off for, for kicking out a Chelsea player when he was on the floor. And yet it was called petulance and they let it go. I, in, in in what world? You know, I, I seem to remember many years ago, David Beckham was sent off for something exactly the same as that. And yet that was that was back then when they let things like that go a little bit more than they did like now. So I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching, but luckily for Chelsea, those two players in particular are hot headed at the back. Christian Romero is a disgusting player. In my opinion, I can't stand him. You, you always see him make these kind of challenges and the one on Enzo Fernandez, particularly the fact that Enzo Fernandez is a fellow Argentine as well, but you you don't follow through like that at the end of the day, especially in the penalty area. An unbelievably reckless challenge that again could have seriously hurt Enzo Fernandez, and it took him long enough just to give the penalty and send him off for that. And the fact that they disallowed Chelsea's goal even more astonished me because Nicholas Jackson, yes, he might have been offside and it went through his legs. The ball was struck from miles out. The keeper saw it because he went to die for it. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand it whatsoever. I understand the fact that football is very opinionated and it's very subjective sport, probably more so than any other sport. And so, you know, there are certain grey areas and whatnot, and referees do have a very difficult job. But Naeem said it, there is no accountability whatsoever. Referees, you know, play the victim card. And Anthony, Anthony Taylor's one in particular. He was demoted to the championship. And at the weekend, I don't know if you've seen it. I know most people have. But he gave a penalty. I'm not sure what particular game it was. It might have been Preston and Watford, but either way, he gave he gave a penalty for an incident in the box where there was absolutely no contact whatsoever. He gave a, a massive mistake, and yet straight away, the following weekend, this weekend, he's been called up to referee Chelsea against Man City on Sunday. What, you know, it's absolutely bonkers that it's allowed to happen, and the standard of officiating in this country is one of the worst in Europe. And when we're the biggest and best arguably league in world football, the richest league in world football, and we're not implementing, you know, the same offside um, software that's used in the Champions League and that was used at the World Cup, it is it, it, shockingly bad. But um, yeah, I, 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 I understand your point though. And one hundred percent in the fact that there is a lot of hypocrisy. The the, the point you made on Mikel about the Liverpool one. I mean that someone did bring that up, but then I also remember him also um, defending 
um, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool in what they were asking for. And Michael Owen and Gary Neville in particular, if that had happened to Manchester United or to Newcastle or to a team that any of them support, they would 100% be saying different things. I have no doubt in my mind and it's just it's just poor behaviour and I don't really know what else to say at this point except the fact, lastly, I believe there was a referee on, on Twitter today. I think his name's Keith Hackett, but it was quite interesting the fact that he said to um, media personalities, I don't, I'm not going to say who they are exactly, but I think most people know who they are, um, were asked to toe the line a little bit with the PGMLO and the referees and sort of get a bit more in their favour kind of thing. And that was quite interesting considering that guy was the former boss of the PGMLO. So you, you do you do wonder. Yeah, I, I mean... It always tries to be confusing why there's about a million people from Manchester that seemingly are in are in some sort of refereeing group. Yeah. And I mean, for me it's it's no coincidence that, you know, there was always talk about technology, but it was never, you know, never ever sort of confirmed things happening. There's always I think there's always the 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 viewpoint of from the public, I think, certainly when I was a child growing up, that these things um majority of time definitely makes the right mistake, right decisions, you know, and this is clear and obvious, we won't do anything about it. Uh that it's, you know, if it's only minus mistake, then you can sort of get away with it. But then ever since Mark Clattenburg left the league, I believe it was twenty fourteen he stopped refereeing the Premier League. Ever since then, <laughs> excuse me, the referees got worse and worse and eventually there was more and more of a clamor for VAR and eventually it came through. And I think Snow Quinters at our best, Howard Webb is one of our best referees left in the Premier League. And ever since that point, um, there's not really any I can think of good referee. There's one referee I can think of that is good in the Premier League. And I've literally forgotten his name. Michael Oliver. He's the only one that I think has some sort of credibility in the league. All the rest, whether it's Paul Tierney, whether it's um, David Coote, whether it's Darren England, uh, whether it's Anthony Taylor, as you said, there, so many bad referees. They all just make such passage, and they all go towards Manchester club. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that definitely is the case, but they all seem to go towards that, and they seem to all be each other's friends. And as you, as you said, then that you know these referees can make mistakes and completely get away with it, and they'll be back at a job within a month. The Anthony Taylor one really, really surprises me. Um, Talk about that. I mean, it was a four-one win for Chelsea, but that doesn't really give the half story. I mean, there was so much happened in that game. The first half, especially, there was the there was a red card challenge that wasn't given against Udogi and Romero. I mean, thankfully, both were sent off later on. Um, and then obviously Spurs did score. All before it all kicked off, all that happened. Spurs did score. I think within the first five minutes of the game, could have definitely scored. I don't know whether the game was an own goal or not. And then you know, from then on, then. Sterling scored that goal out of handball, but then um, later on that, that was that was ruled out. Then there was red card stuff, and then Moises scored a brilliant goal. Um, but then his goal got ruled out, which I think again was wrong. I don't think um, they were interested with play at all. Uh, but then penalty was given from that straight away. Uh, red card for Mero. 
the completely right decision. Have a red card chances. He basically had two red card challenges in the same game. It was awful from him. And then um, obviously Cole Palmer scored the penalty. Um, and then you know going on the rest of the game, um, Spurs held on. I think for a while. I think I've got to give them some credit with with nine men at one point, ten men. They defended well at one point and managed to do well to keep it one one. But then the floodgates opened. Uh, Nicholas Jackson getting a hat trick, um, which you know, silence expressions using. Um, in what was yeah. one of the crazy games I've watched, I think, in the last since, since the Monday night game. One of the, I'd probably say it's a crazy game I've watched generally in all football since that World Cup final with fans. You know, it really had everything. It had drama, it had red cards, it had a bit of violence, it had a bit of argy bargy, it had some goals. It was a cracking, cracking game. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing I'd, I'd, I'd say on that one, and it's not just because I hate Tottenham Hotspur, but the fact that they were praised after the game, especially the tactics implemented by, by Ange. Obviously, we know how he how he wants to play and he's going to stick to that. And I understand it because Arsene Wenger was the same back in the day. You know, he played the same against every team and sometimes it didn't work. And yet, Last night, I'm sorry, Chelsea were awful. And the only reason Spurs were not beaten 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 1 was because Chelsea's attackers were that bad. It was the easiest hat-trick I've ever seen a player score by Nicholas Jackson, who again was awful. Sterling was the only attacking threat that they had. You can't have... a a, a high line on the halfway line with nine men in the manner that they did, they were opened up so many times. And if the only Spurs player who could hold, hold his head up high was the goalkeeper who, who was unbelievable and made, you know, three or four um, unreal saves, which saved them goals. But they, they got the, there was so many chances for them to pass the ball through Chelsea and they would be, you know, two on one or one on one, and they weren't doing it. And then when they did do it, they were messing these opportunities up. And the embarrassment that it would have been if Spurs leveled it late on would have been sensational. But I'm sorry, if that was any other team, any other team, they would have been absolutely pounded after the game for continuing to use those kind of tactics, particularly at nine men, you know, you can't you can't get opened up like that. And I'm sorry, yeah, they had nine men and, you know, the players on the pitch were still playing well, but the mentality that they showed at the end where, you know, they had all the fans clapping and, you know, it was it was almost seen as a moral victory that they only lost four one in a derby game, I think Utterly embarrassment. I, I would have been embarrassed as an Arsenal fan if we did that. At the end of the day, when we when you go down to ten men or nine men, you shut up shop. You try and last the game out, especially if you're still drawing at that point, because there's always a chance to hit them on the counter attack because they're going to keep bombing players forward because they know that they've got the advantage. And then there's your opportunity, all from a set piece. You don't you don't play in that in 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 that manner. I'm sorry, but I couldn't. I couldn't believe how how naive, particularly Carragher was after the game, 
and 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 Neville saying, you know, it was almost, it was almost genius. So this is absolutely not. This is, I suppose it's why one of them has never managed a club, and the other one got sacked after a few months. Yep. So don't don't listen to too much they have to say because, yeah, they they they'll be rubbish. Well, Neville's a terrible manager. So yeah, and then Carragher probably just be the same. To be fair. But um, yeah, no, you're right though. What you're saying, to be fair, like it's, just, it's kind of like a small club mentality. Like I'll be fuming if if you're down to nine men. Yeah, fair enough. You want to still try and you know get something out of the game. But yeah, that high line was just literally on a halfway line, and yeah, Chelsea just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And like you said, easiest hat trick for Jackson. He's and I still don't really rate him. To be fair, like you know. Like there, Chelsea's attack is just oh, it's just god awful. Like if they didn't have Sterling there, then they probably would have actually probably lost that game knowing them. But yeah, they've got they've got Man City on the weekend, so that's but yeah, we'll see what happens there because yeah, Man City they they take their chances. But yeah, that 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 game was that game was crazy to be fair because usually Monday night football games they're usually boring, but when it's Tottenham Chelsea, you know, you know it's a proper like London derby. You know, there's going to be a lot of yellow cards and whatnot, but. Uh, I literally switched it over with about seven minutes gone, so it was already one 0 So I thought, oh, here we go. You know, Chelsea are gonna get battered. Obviously, Son scored what a couple of minutes later, but I got ruled off offside. But then, yeah, after that happened, yeah, this kind of went downhill. You know, obviously, um, Madison he had to come off injured. Van der Roon, then obviously, obviously Romero getting sent off, and then yeah, it's just kind of just, just yeah, like I said, it's just downhill really, and all the decisions. I've never seen so many like offside goals in one game really, and. Yeah, it was it, it was an entertaining game as a neutral. Obviously, don't like either of the teams. Um, I think, a, I, think a, I would have taken a draw, but yeah, Tottenham kind of made it easy for them by sticking to how they've been playing for um, the last couple of games. And yeah, it looks like with some of them injuries that they have, they might start to struggle now because if you look at their bench, it's pretty weak. So yeah, they might they might be. As they call it, Spursy now, and they might like start crumbling now, which will obviously always be great to see. But yeah, it was a it was a good good game to watch on a Monday. Um, but yeah, Tottenham, yeah, just can't be playing that high line with nine men, especially when Chelsea kept doing the same thing. And yeah, we saw the results. What happened afterwards? Now, Naeem, which view is more embarrassing? The whole thing was Monday night, or Arsenal celebrating a last minute winner against Fulham last season? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, that was that was that last season. Yeah, I I remember there was a big thing about was it August time last year when there was a big commotion about um people calling it cringe and Arsenal celebrating as if they won the league against Fulham. But then also it's funny now we're saying about that whole thing with Spurs. But um, yeah, I I think personally I I wasn't against Spurs going for the high line because. They had to try and get a goal somewhere, and they knew mm. that if they just, I think sometimes, sometimes if, you, if you shut up shop like that, you can sometimes invite pressure. And I think against, I think when it got to three one, that's I think when it got to two one and three one, I think that's when they started to go for a bit more. But I think when they said he was one one, I thought they were doing very well defensively. They were shutting up shop, but like when they, that that second goal went in, I think they had to just go for it. And I think at that point they were almost like, oh, we don't care how much we lose by. I think was we can just have to give it a go, but. Obviously, get to three one four one, and I think that's when they decided to shut up shop. But um, yeah, it's either way. It's you know, um, you know, I think for them, I don't think they should take too much discredit from this because you know, I think with eleven men, they they probably would have 
probably got a draw that game, if not won it. So I think it's a one-off game outlier. They still won and just drawn one, just lost one game all year. They're the last team to lose a game all year. So um, I think they should be proud of their season so far. And I think they shouldn't really take too much away from this. But I'm going to quickly talk about, before we end the podcast, Darwin Nunes. Now, I've tried to defend this guy so many times on this podcast, so many times. But I, I wanted to take talk about this, but I thought I, bet I, want, I want to save it to the podcast. He's not, he's not, he's not Liverpool quality. He's not good enough for Liverpool. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm tired of using the whole. Oh, he causes chaos. Oh, he, you know, <laughs> he, he makes his great runs. I'm sorry, we've made eighty five million pounds for a guy to miss four open goals in one season, and that's like talking about last season where he was even worse. You know, he, he costs us that game because if we, if he scored that goal in the first half where he just tried to leather when he should have been more delicate with the effort. And that or whether he scored the open goal, which is one of the worst open goal misses I've seen um, of anyone in the last few years. If he scored either of those, Luton wouldn't 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 have been would have been gone for they would have gone for a bit more. They would have opened up at the back. But instead we allowed them to sit back, hit on a counter-attack from that corner and score, which I know that isn't Darwin's fault, but the guy's literally cost us this game and you know he's lucky that in the other games it hasn't cost us any points. But I guarantee if we get to your oblique final in May or if we get to a big final next year and he's and he's playing up front, starting for the coming off the bench, he will cost us the game. I can guarantee you now he will cost us the game. And I'm I, I Jenny, I'm not again selling him in January. I'm obviously you have to get in to replace him who's good enough, but I can't really fit this 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 much money on a donkey, on an absolute donkey. Now, people calling him the Uruguayan Andy Cowell, and I think right now I'm I'm inclined to say he might be the Uruguayan Andy Cowell or Uruguayan Timo Werner. Shocking, shocking. And how can you draw against Luton Town? How can you draw against Luton Town? I mean, this is a club that, and I'd say they stay up, but they took him until, what, last month to get a win? You know, they lost 3-0 to Chelsea, who have been terrible for most of the year. How are we drawing to them and how are we allowing that to happen? And, you know... I'm not even not him. Like Sobosley went missing, so many players just weren't themselves. And I was happy for Lewis Diaz. I was really happy he got his goal. Um, but there's no way we should be happy with getting that point against Luton Town. Absolutely no way. That was a terrible performance and a terrible result, and quite frankly, an embarrassment. If you think you summed it up perfectly, there, um, yeah, you shouldn't be drawn against Luton and. Equalising so late on in the game, but yeah, Darwin Nunes, you know, I think it's just that that Portuguese tax. Um, not many players from that league come and hit the hit the heights. You know, Benfica they love to sell these players for big money, and I think there is a player there, but yeah, you can't be missing open goals like that, and yeah, to spend that sort of money on him is crazy. It's he's kind of it's kind of like Eddie and Ketty, but obviously we didn't spend stupid money on him. We we know he's not good enough. His his levels. Championship at best, um, he's not he's not the sort of striker that we need to lead the line. But yeah, with Darwin Nunes, he will still score your goals. But yeah, um, he's just one of them players that was frustrating, really. Yeah, I think that you know, I think especially the size size of our squad and the amount of games we've got, I think he can be a great you know League Cup, Europa League, even FA Cup striker. But I don't think we should be relying on him to win the Premier League or Champions League because I think we'll get back in Champions League next season, provided. We keep doing what we're doing this season, and I think next season I will not want him starting in Premier League or Champions League. He will not. He will not win his games. If we're winning these things, it's down to Mohamed Salah. It's down to Luis Diaz. It's down to 
Ryan Gravenberch or Xander Sobersly or Van Dyke. There's no way he'll be the reason why. And I know he scored against Newcastle, but it was a great finish. But all he had to do was just hit the shots and get it in. It wasn't like he didn't. When he overthinks, it's much worse. Like if, if you give him the ball most times, if he has to hit it straight, great. But that shouldn't be what his striker's there for. His striker should be there to... We paid £85 million for a guy who can't score open goals. And it's just frustrating life out of me because he's missed so many games. But thankfully, so far, he's not been, it's not cost him until now. So he sort of got away with it. But yeah, I'm just, I was so, I was so annoyed on Sunday. I was absolutely rattled on Sunday when I was watching that game. I was so angry after the game and I'm so fed up of that man. Ryan, your thoughts before we end the podcast on Darwin Nunes? I mean, I said it to you as well when when I uh, when I messaged you that it, there's um, there's such a sort of um, correlation between him and Liverpool and and, and for Arsenal because they're both decent level players, but for both clubs, they're they're short of that elite striker. I think a lot of clubs are at the end of the day. There aren't that many. In Europe at the moment, but something that was highlighted on Monday Night Football last night, there is a, sh- a shortage of world-class strikers out there. So that's why we're seeing this at the moment. But with Darwin, I don't know. I there is Naeem said that there is a player there, and and it's not exactly as if he's old either. Um, he, he may very well improve, whether whether he'll improve enough to justify how much Liverpool paid for him and, you know, whether it will ever be enough to, you know, be starting week in, week out, getting Liverpool to Premier League and Champions Leagues again. I don't know, but I don't know what else they can, what else they can do. It's the same, it's the same for Arsenal. We're having to rely on the likes of Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard and, you know, other players to to get our goals. Um, Although Nketiah did score a hat-trick the other week, but even still, um, they both need, along with a few other clubs, desperately need a elite slash world class striker. But you know, there aren't many out there. No, I think about. I think we're lucky. We've got you know we 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 can afford to play Jota up front or Gakpo if needs be. And I think you know we're lucky in that sense that we've we're not we're not relying solely on him or just someone else. We've got a plethora of players we we can rely on in these games, but. You know, I do think, you know, whilst he has scored some goals this year, I just think that he does need Jenny about 10 chances to score one goal. And it's just, I just don't think it's quite good enough for that level Um, if you want someone to win you big, big trophies. Uh, but that is where we'll end this episode for today. So I hope you all enjoyed and hope you all are still listening to the podcast. So if you are, do make sure to give us a like, share the word and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, this has been the Eurotrips podcast. I've been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan and Naeem, and we will see you guys next time.